Blog Talk Radio. This is Marty Oakley of the PPJ Gazette Online. This is the TS Radio Network. It's March 22nd, 2021, and we're in deep doo-doo as a country. John LaCrom will be joining me shortly. We're going to be discussing a lot of things, including banking problems of all kinds and what's about to befall us. And John is forecasting what he thinks is going to happen, and I think we need to pay attention. Um about this global economic reset this is all about what we have been talking about forever um for one thing it involves a large amount of genocide and we've got 22 or 23 countries now that have suspended use of these vaccines that aren't really a vaccine for covid which they've never proved even existed and because the reason is because they're causing terrible blood clots brain aneurysms and hemorrhages and people are falling over dead from them they've decided that they would just rather not indulge with this no matter how much money is involved and instead taking a stand for their citizens and of course this has the who the world health organization and that whole bunch up on end and i something i really object to is people saying well the risks outweigh the benefits, or the benefits outweigh the risks, excuse me. And I guess if you're not the one that drops over dead, that might be true. But why would you play Russian roulette with your health? Take a chance on this when it actually is not a vaccine. Um, I got a really stellar article today that I'm going to be posting from an author who writes about how this completes the cycle of turning the DNA in your body into a virtual antenna so that you can be interoperative with artificial intelligence, computer systems, and all of this. And at one point, they admitted that this is actually an operating system they are injecting into you. Now, for years, they've been after transhumanism. And one doctor even said, he said, it's no longer enough just to be human. For some reason, we have to be part machine. I guess we're becoming the Borg from Star Trek, I don't know. Um, But I do know that a very large number of people are going to refuse this vaccine, are refusing it now. And I think that's a good thing. We've had doctors predict that in three to six months, we are going to see large amounts of death, uh, disease, the onset of disease, including cancer, from whatever it is they're doing to us. We are guinea pigs in an experiment. They have not tested these things while all this is going on, right before they came out and announced that this virus that doesn't exist was running rampant, the major global banks were on the verge of collapse from all their corruption, the derivatives and all of that mess and horror they were going through. We loaned them 
trillion dollars. Now, to understand that, they're not going to pay any of that back. But you, Mr. and Mrs. Taxpayer, are going to pay that money back to the IMF World Bank, where it was borrowed from. Unfortunately, all of the assets, like agricultural land, scenic parks and forests and all that, were put up as collateral on this money. They have basically, it's called hypothecation. They put up what we owned, what we had, our labor, our wages. They put it up as collateral on $7.2 trillion. And everybody said, oh, this is wonderful. They should have let them collapse, just like they would let any other business collapse. Nobody is too big to fail. We are just too big to exit gracefully. That's all that gets down to. And as long as they can keep using American taxpayers to bail these bastards out, um, what's the problem? You can be as crooked as you want. I I don't know how many times we're going to do this. We bailed them out in 2008. And now here we are again, 2020. Well, in 2020, they did this. Um, they bail them out again. I don't know how many times you have to be caught being corrupt and how crooked you have to be before somebody says, go ahead and crash. Now, if you remember the stock market crashing in 2008, that wasn't supposed to happen until after Obama took office in 2009, but it actually collapsed in the fall of 2008. The only people who lost money were retirees and small investors. Everybody at the top went home to their palatial estates and had a dinner and went to bed. It was the people at the end who who lost at the low end. At the same time, they were pushing hard to invest Social Security in the stock market. And I told people then, if you look at what just happened, who lost their money? It was the retirees, the people that had, you know, a 401k, this, that, and something else. They were the people that lost their money, and they were going to give you 10 indexed funds that you could invest in. And according to Newt Gingrich from a few years before that, why, you could wake up and be a millionaire. Like, hell, that's ever going to happen. But they have been driveling over Social Security for at least 20 years, trying to privatize it, trying to get all of your donations from your work, I call them donations, to go into the stock market. How many times does this thing have to crash and fail? And how many times do you have to lose everything you had invested and saved for your retirement before you figure out you're getting had? And the only reason they want it is because it is a massive slush fund. The money just keeps rolling in. Right now, there are approximately $4 trillion in IOUs sitting in the U.S. Treasury on Social Security that the government has put its sticky fingers on and used for other purposes. We've got Medicare being built out of 30 to 60 billion a year by the medical industry. But instead of cleaning all that up, they're going to come back on us. They're trying to do away and collapse Social Security and Medicare. We've got all of these things happening, everything going crazy, and not a peep anywhere about these banks being insolvent. And what they're being insolvent means to you what effect is it going to have on you and john's going to be talking about various banking systems um jp morgan chase uh basil three i don't even know what that is 
uh, silver manipulation. And I want to say something here before I turn this over to John. Gold is the government's money. That's their legal tender. Silver is the people's money. And we see they are playing fast and loose with silver. So with all of this in mind, and I know it sounds disconnected, but you'll connect the dots, I'm sure. I'm going to turn this over to John. John, welcome to the show. Apparently he's not talking. (laughs) John, let me try this again. Okay, can we get you up there? John? Good evening, Marty. How are you doing tonight? There you go. Okay, yeah, there we go. I thought I lost you there for a minute. Well, I'm glad you did, because we've got a lot of ground to cover and only a short time to cover it. Okay, let's start out right from the starting gate, covering some of the things that you talked about. You do realize that the COVID-19 test doesn't work according to the inventor of it, and that patent? Well, guess who that's held by? Richard A. Rothschild, and it was dated for 2020, just in case you're curious. (laughs) But there's no conspiracy here at all. No, no, no. Marty, you and I did a show back the day before the election. We got in about 17 minutes before they shut us down, literally took our show and took us off air. And that was simply when we were talking about the the accumulation of putting three things together, your real ID, the economic system, and, of course, all of the stuff that they're doing with injections. Okay? Well, folks. The reason for the show tonight, we're going to cover all of that, but uh, I just got my uh, second strike here on YouTube, and again, not for doing anything other than exposing the truth. So I'm going to give you some history to help you realize where we're at right now, but uh, they've actually deleted two videos of mine today, not just one. Uh, The one video, of course, dealt exclusively with the fact that I was trying to save people's lives. And ladies and gentlemen, you better listen to me very carefully. You better appreciate Marty Oakley. She is trying to save your life. She is trying to save your life, whether you recognize that truth or not. And we'll get into some of that this evening. But the other one was this. I connected all the dots going all the way back with regards to uh, silver manipulation and where it came from, and how it's been done, and who's played the game. And boy, they didn't tell me they deleted that one. It was a fluke that I even noticed that it was missing the next day. (laughs) That's probably why they gave me the other strike to keep me silent. Here's what you folks need to know. Okay, First of all, you're dealing with a series of problems, and we're going to cover what I define as the evil alliance. All right, You've got the propaganda news. You can call it Operation Mockingbird. That, of course, is out of the Cocaine Importing Agency or the Criminals in Action, depending on which one you want to look at it. You know, U.S. Inc. calls them the Central Intelligence Agency, but uh, <laughs> we aren't going to go there. You have big energy. Has anybody noticed the price of gas lately? I sure have, and I hear that gasoline is over $4 a gallon in California. If that isn't a neon sign, folks, I don't know what to tell you. Big Pharma, well, we just got through listening to Marty here talk all about Big Pharma, didn't we? All highly profitable. What are they doing? Well, again, pay attention because she's trying to save your life. And, of course, Big Agra. I've gone to great 
uh, degree explaining to all of you that uh, you need to be paying attention to what's happening in the food production area. We've already talked here on this show about Bill Gates buying up a bunch of farmland. We've already talked an awful lot about he owns several seed companies. We've discussed all of the things that are going on where they plowed under a lot of crops that year and a lot of stored crops that were already uh, pulled from the ground and were sitting in silos and in other places magically just for one reason or another got destroyed. In addition to that, we had a lot of farmers, small farmers, went under last year. And remember, a lot of this land has a lot of expense to it, and these folks put a lot of money when they put in their crops. And when those crops didn't get uh, taken out of the ground, well, let's just say the farmers were feeling pretty pinched that year. Then we can throw in the military-industrial complex. Well, folks, you know, they've been talking about that since 1950s. You can thank General Eisenhower, a.k.a. President Eisenhower, for that little detail. And finally, we can talk about the Chinese. <laughs> Folks, the Chinese and everybody else has been buying up America. If you're not aware of it, China ended up acquiring all of our ports a lot of years ago. Alex Jones did a um, video on that particular issue. Well, when you have turned over your ports to a foreign company, guess what? That foreign country controls what comes in and what goes out of your country. You better be paying attention, folks, because I'm telling you something. America is owned, and it's not owned by Americans anymore. I mentioned that I've got confirmation from two sources across the country that a lot of quality land is being bought up by foreigners all over the place. To make matters worse, we've been talking about all the censorship and the assault on free speech. Nobody here, not me, not Marty, we're not sitting here talking hate speech. No, we're trying to educate you to what's going on. We're trying to wake people up to what the truth is. And that's the whole problem. That which is a criminal enterprise does not want truth out there because they can't let those little secrets out. They want everything to just be put onto this little quote-unquote issue. And blame it all on that, folks. It was just what Marty said a few minutes ago. The banks were already belly up. They just needed a quote-unquote scapegoat. And how convenient it is, the proverbial scapegoat is a virus that nobody seems to be able to identify. Hmm, don't know what that's all about. But again, now we have people that are getting these injections, and of course we can continue to discuss that as well. But that's not the big thing. Folks, politicians have always been able to be bought off. This is no surprise. This is no secret. We've talked about the Chinese and their ownership over the Clintons. We've talked about the Chinese and their ownership over the Obama administration. There was rumors that uh, Trump had some ties to China. If he did or didn't, I don't care. Again, the Chinese were physically still buying up stuff. Um and, of course, I don't even have to tell you about the tie-in with China <clears throat> with the current occupant of – theoretically the current occupant of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. All I know is there's some really strange things going on there in Washington, the District of Criminals. Moving on, what I did was this. I put together a direct link to all of the problems, and I'm going to give you the title of my video that got deleted without them bothering to tell me they deleted it. And then we're going to put the pieces together. 
silver, manipul- silver manipulation, SLV, J.P. Morgan Chase, Chinese communists, and a deep conspiracy exposed. I love it when I can put pieces of puzzles together because, by golly, all of a sudden, things become crystal clear. And trust me, there's a lot to be talked about. You've heard Marty say it, and you've heard me say it. You better have some physical. I don't care what the paper price is when it comes to that metal. What I do care about is whether or not you have some. And just like Marty said, gold is the banker's money, and we'll talk about that. Silver is the people's money. Barter is the gentleman's money. And debt, Federal Reserve notes, is the slave's money. What do you have in your wallet? All right. First of all, I've been saying for a whole lot of years, for those of you who don't know what SLV is, is um, what that is, a silver ETF. And what it is, is it's supposed to buy silver. And if somebody goes out and buys shares of silver, or if somebody buys their shares, they, they in turn go out and buy physical to back the shares of silver. Now, the problem is that J.P. Morgan Chase acquired the position in silver back the last time they destroyed when silver went to almost $50 here several years ago. And by the way, I've seen it do this twice now. Once when I was a boy, and then I think it was 2008 was the last time. Folks, this is manipulation of the price of silver. And I don't mean in an upward manner either. What ended up happening is now when J.P. Morgan Chase acquired their position in silver, they now controlled the market. Now, there were some like eight, quote unquote, market makers in the precious metals things. But in the big picture, J.P. Morgan is by far the whole the lion's share. And when you think about something, if you do a little research, you'll discover they just paid a $900 million fine, almost a billion-dollar fine for their manipulation of silver recently. And yet here's the interesting thing. There was a drop in the bucket compared to the trillions, and I do mean that with a T, that they've been making. The physical market on silver is drying up, and it's drying up fast. And again, I've talked about this. I've seen this several times cannot go and buy 1,000 ounce bars because you actually need the silver so that you can produce something that your customers want, that, ladies and gentlemen, is a silver shortage. We are at that position. And the price of silver on the fiat paper money last I saw was about $25.50. If you remember, I said something uh, several months back, just before it hit 30, that you needed to buy some silver, some physical. And, of course, right now to buy physical silver is running you about 32 to $35, and that does not include shipping, and that does not include taxes. And, again, you're basically at desperation stage if somebody's lucky enough to have silver to sell to you. Right now, most of the suppliers, the big boys, shut down on the weekends because they don't want anybody coming in and buying large scales, and they don't want to see the big spike in silver on Sunday night here in America. Because, again, the market manipulators manipulate the price of the paper market in the off hours to deliberately drive the price down so that they can end up acquiring these contracts and knock people out of the game people that are what we call long holders of silver. In other words, they want to take possession of it. 
And if they drop the price significantly, well, all of a sudden these same people that are wanting to take delivery of the silver get a phone call and say, hey, we need you to cover a bigger part of the hole because, you know, the price of silver on the paper market is dropped. And you only have a few hours to do it. And that, of course, puts a big buying because we're talking 1,000-ounce contracts here. So you drop the price by a couple of dollars. Now you're an extra few thousand in the hole. And you better be able to cover it, and I mean quickly. Otherwise, they take away your paper contract, and you're out of luck. And they take your money. And this is what they do. I talk about the fact that they did this to the Hunt Brothers back in 1980. The Hunt Brothers were not hiding anything. Them and their assistants, if you will, those in the Saudis, they were coming in and they were just saying, hey, we're here to buy silver. Sell it to us. That's all they were doing, only thing that they were doing. They were not manipulating the market as the statement goes. They were just saying, we want to buy large quantities of silver. Sell it to us. They weren't hiding it. Everybody knew about it. When Hunt showed up on the trading floor, oh, that impressed everybody on the trading floor. But that's, again, a story for a different time. So what happened? Imagine going to a poker game, sitting down at a table, and halfway through the poker game, and you got the winning hand. They changed the rules of the game. Now what happens? Now you're no longer holding the winning hand. That's what happened to the Punk Brothers, and that is what's happening in behind the scenes right now. So let's put the pieces together. First of all, going all the way back to John Pierport Morgan. Now, if you're not familiar, there's something that's called the crime of 73, and that would be 1873, ladies and gentlemen, shortly thereafter the War of Northern Aggression. Prior to that, we were under a bimetallic system. That meant gold and silver. Gold and silver. They were both treated as money. At the time, you could get about um, 15 ounces of silver out of the ground for every one ounce of gold. That was what was physically in the earth. Sometimes it was a little bit higher. Sometimes it was a little bit lower. But that was a very good average. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, that number is now 8 to 1 because the easy-to-find silver is all but gone. So in other words, for every 8 ounces of silver in the ground, there's only 1 ounce of gold. Well, you look at the price of silver at $26 and change and the price of gold at seventeen fifty. Do you see a little discrepancy there? Heaven knows, I sure do. But anyway, getting back to point. The crime of 73, what ended up happening is this. The, basically, the War of Northern Aggression bankrupted the South and the North. Okay, So when I, somebody asks who won the Civil War, and I call it Civil War 3.0 because the Revolutionary War was the first one. The uh, War of 1812 was the second one. So uh, the War of Northern Aggression 3.0, that one, what ended up happening was now you had two bankrupt entities, the South and the North. So who was the real winner in that war? Oh, that would be the bankers, those that were holding the gold. And they were coming up and they were buying up everything for pennies on the dollar, especially in the South. They called them carpetbaggers back then. And why? Because they had these bags that looked like carpet. That's how they were made. And they were just coming South and they were just stealing everything and doing all kind of, shall we say, unlawful and uh, underhanded tricks and trades. That's what happens when they play these silly little games. 
Like I was saying though, a minute ago, J.P. Morgan Chase is a market maker. They are the player when it comes to that. And what I've been saying for a lot of years is they've been using SLV, the silver ETF, which is as basically a slush fund for physical metal when they have to have physical because there's been too much of a drain on the actual physical market on the COMEX. And again, I like to refer to the COMEX as the CRIMEX, okay? Because back in the Hunt Brothers, they changed the rules in the middle of the game and made the Hunt Brothers sell into the market all the contracts that they were standing for delivery on. That, of course, meant they could not only, they couldn't buy more silver contracts, they had to sell the ones they had. And to make matters worse, they also had to do it into the market and a free fall. So that's what put them in a big bind. And some bankers had to come in and save the day, quote unquote. And don't get me started on that little scam. So it left the Hunt Brothers, uh, I think it was a trillion dollars in trouble at that point. But they had it. They had won the game. This is why I remind everybody, if all you do is go out and buy one ounce every single week or something like that, we can put the same hurt on the banks that they've been putting on us for the last 150 years. Just a thought, putting it out there for you. All right. Well, with regards to the uh, association, what ended up happening in the crime of 73 is they mandated that silver, which America had a lot of, was no longer money. Now only gold for repayment of debts. This was very beneficial for the European bankers. Very beneficial for the European bankers. Wasn't beneficial for the United States Incorporated, and it was not beneficial for the man or the woman on the street. Again, folks, this is called vulture capitalism. That's all it is, vulture capitalism. Create an economy, pull the rug out from underneath it, come in and steal it all, penny of the dollars, and turn around and do it all over again. So the crime of 1873... We now had gold as the only form of quote-unquote money for the repayment of debts. Now, we're going to go here to Wikipedia and talk about J.P. Morgan for a minute. I'm going to read directly from Wikipedia. Morgan went into banking in 1857 at the London Merchants Bank firm Peabody, Morgan, and Company. Notice I said London. If you remember what I've talked about in the past, the fact that there's a direct tie-in between the city of London and the Vatican. Basically, Rothschild assumed the position of being the Vatican's banker back after the little French general lost the Battle of Waterloo. Okay, he came in, stock market, bond market, started selling everything into the, you know, he had. Everybody went into terrible fear. Oh, my goodness, England lost the battle. So the bonds started crashing, the stock started crashing, and then he sent his agents back out there. Now start buying it all back for pennies on the dollar. And that's what happened. At the end of the day, he was now in charge of the Bank of England. The king had lost his bank, and now Rothschild was in charge. Now, when J.P. Morgan, Morgan died, uh, everybody was really curious of how much he was worth. So they all wanted to see his will. Of course, uh, unlike the current economy, you know, where we don't talk to our uh, president, we don't want to know what his uh, net worth is or anything like that. Well, we have something different. Everybody knew what it was, and they were amazed. It seems that J.P. Morgan was not quite as rich as everybody thought. They finally made the connection. Oh, 
Here's a big surprise, folks. He had his direct tie in to the Rothschilds. Shocker, I know. Okay, so anyway, there was an issue there during the Civil War, during the American Civil War, an incident known as the Hall Carbine Affair. Morgan financed the purchase of 5,000 rifles from an army arsenal at $3.50 each, which were then resold to a field general for $22 each. Isn't that nice? And if that isn't scummy enough, Morgan avoided service during the war by paying a substitute $300 to take his place. Okay? Uh, he was an agent in uh, New York for his father's firm, renamed J.S. Morgan & Company upon Peabody's retirement in 1864. 1864-72, he was a member of the firm Dabney Morgan & Company. In 1871, he partnered with the Drexels of Philadelphia to form the New York Drexel Morgan & Company. Now, here's the more important part. Okay? There was a significant problem after the war. In 1893... There was a, again, banker-created recession. This put a very big problem on, again, the United States government. Okay? Um, the Northern Pacific Railway went bankrupt in the Great Depression of 1893. The bankruptcy wiped out railroads' bondholders, leaving it free of debt, and a complex financial battle for control ensued. Okay? Now... In 1895, the federal treasury was nearly out of gold at the depths of the panic of 1893. Morgan had put forward a plan for the federal government to buy gold from his and European banks. And remember, I've already tied him in to Rothschilds in Europe. But it was declined in favor of a plan to sell bonds directly to the general public to overcome the crisis. Problem solved. We sell bonds to the American people. They're not traitors. Morgan, sure that there was not enough time to implement such a plan, demanded and eventually obtained a meeting with Grover Cleveland, where he claimed the government could default that day if they didn't do something. Now, tell me something. How many times have I told you they pull the rug out from under you? I have very – this basically all but says he walked into Cleveland's office and says to him, you either take my gold from me and my European banking buddies, or I'm about to sink your little ship. Wake up, folks. This is not a joke. Morgan came up with a plan to use an old Civil War statute – well, isn't that nice of him – that allowed Morgan and the Rothschilds – hey, there's that name I said a few minutes ago, huh, folks – to sell gold directly to the U.S. Treasury. 3.5 million ounces to restore the treasury surplus in exchange for a 30-year bond issue. Guess who just bought United States Incorporated? Now you're starting to see the bigger picture, aren't we? Hmm, is this maybe perhaps possibly some of the reason that my video got pulled yesterday? I'll bet it is. The episode saved the treasury but hurt Cleveland standing with the agri wing of the Democratic Party and became an issue of the election of 1896 when banks came under a withering attack from William Jennings Bryan. Now, if you don't know who William Jennings Bryan is, he did this incredible speech. It's called the Cross of Gold speech. Very important speech. Cross of Gold. And again, this goes all the way back to the crime of 1873. Morgan and Wall Street bankers donated heavily to the Republican William McKinley, who was elected in 1896 and reelected in 1900. Okay, so what ended up happening 
was the Democrats put up their guy and says, okay, we're sick of the bankers controlling because remember, silver was the people's money and silver was out west everywhere. In 1878, they started minting large quantities of silver dollars because it was readily available. So if there was still a silver and gold bimetallic system for the repayment of debts, everything would have been just fine. But because you now had a monopoly of money, kind of like the Federal Reserve notes that we use now, monopoly of money, again, important. And remember, folks, there is no such thing as money. Federal Reserve notes are negotiable debt instruments. 12 United States Code, 411, liability to the United States Corporation. Look it up for yourself. With that happening, now we had absolute control transferred to the bankers. With the bankers in control, it sure didn't take much. The next magical thing that was happening Well, let's go on here and let's talk about a little ship called the Titanic, which I would like to argue was actually the Olympic. And there seems to be more than enough information to justify that statement. And again, who owned White Star Lines? Oh, well, here's a little interesting thing. (laughs) Conspiracy theories unite. John Pierport Morgan. Mm -hmm. And it's a coincidence, maybe, perhaps, possibly, that he doubled the insurance on the quote-unquote Titanic. Mm-hmm. fact that he put his ship uh, – he actually hired a ship to go out that was basically empty to sit at its designated location, and they were just told to wait. Now, this was at a point where coal was hard to find, okay? And they, uh, a lot of people were looking for work on shipping because of the problem with acquiring coal. And again, we're dealing with uh, all the drama involved with that. And yet the last stop before the quote-unquote Titanic went on its little journey, all of the crew decided that it was safer to get off the ship, and the next crew came on. What did they know that the new crew didn't? More conspiracy theory. What ends up happening is supposedly the ship shows up and hits the side of a uh, magical jumping ice cube. You know, it just magically appeared in front of you, not that everybody didn't know it's been there for however long. Because, I mean, the channels are clear. They know what to do and what directions to go. But this magically jumping iceberg, it has an opening in the ship, and, of course, she goes down. And coincidentally, that ship that John Pierport Morgan sent in the middle of nowhere to sit and wait, well, let's just say that the radio man decided to go to sleep that night, and he did. So all those, hey, come, save our asses, didn't reach anybody. To make matters worse, the flares that one would need on the ship to say, ship in distress, please come and help, weren't on the ship. Hmm. Now there's some more curiosity there. On top of that, there's a few other dirty little secrets. Missing all of these magical lifeboats. Hmm. Again, very interesting situation. Now what makes it more interesting is J.P. Morgan said, hey, everybody, all of my banking acquaintances, everybody that's in favor of the Federal Reserve, and even those folks that are opposed to the Federal Reserve, let's all go out of Europe, and uh, we'll take a magical journey back to America in this brand-new ship. And yet at the very last minute, 
he decides that, you know what, I'm not getting on board that ship. And not only that, all of his uh, artwork and fine antiquities that were sitting in the ship's hull, the very last minute, you know, they could have gone on to New York without him. He says, uh, pull him off the ship. Of course, there's no conspiracy there, right, folks? I mean, it's no conspiracy. But uh, he was just hanging out with his mistress in Europe. But again, moving on. What people don't realize is there was a big war going on in Congress, and several of the key players who were opposed to the Federal Reserve System were there, and they were on that ship. Somehow, they just magically didn't get off of it. Now, all of a sudden, you wiped out the biggest part of your problem, which is the financiers who could prevent the magical creation of this beast creature from Jekyll Island. That's the truth, ladies and gentlemen. For those of you who don't know, they passed it around Christmas time when most of Congress was gone, signed off on the president, and well, let's just say more history. Let me go back just a couple of years. In 1907, there was a second panic. Okay, it was another depression. Again, these bankers are all doing this crap. So that made it very nice and nice and easy for them to come in and do their little game. People were sick and tired. They knew that the banks were the problem. Said, we need a different system. So how do you solve that problem? Well, if you know that they're coming to target your little crime syndicate, i.e. the European bankers, which is what they were, well, you write the legislation yourself. That way you're actually getting what you want, and the people get what they want because they don't know any better. They have no clue. Okay. Now, Congressman Charles Lindbergh Sr., yes, Charles Lindbergh's father, the one that did the Spirit of St. Louis, that was the son, also a congressman. But the father actually wrote a book, and it was written in 1912. It was called Banking. Currency and the Money Trust. Banking, Currency, and the Money Trust. By the way, folks, I would highly recommend finding that book and buying it. Now, we talk about censorship today in 2021. (laughs) Guess what, folks? They came in, took his books, destroyed the plates. They did not want his book out there. Now, a couple copies survived, which is how we were able to reprint it many decades later, but that's not the point. To realize something, even after the Federal Reserve was created, a different congressman, I'm having a brain cramp right now, charged members of the Federal Reserve Board with criminal actions. Criminal. And this is in the 1920s, folks. And what happens in the 1933, only took 20 years, 1913 to 1933, for the United States Inc. to go bankrupt again. And as you've heard me talk about so many times on this show, and I'm going to do it again, the very first words out of the mouth of the criminal banker, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, Today is the day of national consecration. Now, try to find those words in any of the printed versions online, and you cannot do it. Why? Because that might actually cause people to ask a few questions about what the hell does that mean? 
But you see, they don't want you to ask questions like that. Now, the good news, if you actually want to hear FDR say those words, all you have to do is go to YouTube, and that's the first thing out of his mouth. And it's like, you've heard me talk when I talk contracts and law. What do they do? Contract law is simple. That which comes before takes precedent over what comes afterwards. National, what does that mean? That's nation. That's the corporation masquerading as government. That's the corporation masquerading as government. And remember, corporations are nothing more than trusts. If you don't think the United States is a corporation, well, look at 28 United States Code, 3002, Section 15A. The United States is a federal corporation. Federal means by agreement and by contract. And it makes perfect sense because it was created by the quote-unquote states as a way of repaying the debts from the war that we lost called the Revolutionary War. And then this follow-up of the War of 1812, there were debts that had to be repaid. Read the 1783 Peace Treaty if you don't believe me. Okay. So, 1933, today is a day of national consecration. What does the word consecration mean? Oh, it means we're working for the church. Vatican banking, anybody? Been talking about it for years now, folks. Really is time to wake up. So, 1933, the very first activity out of their starting gate, FDR shuts down the banking system. And result of that shutdown, well... When it reopened, the Federal Reserve was now in charge. Several of the local banks who, by the way, not all the bankers back then were scumbags. A lot of them were very good people, and they were busy telling, you know, Lindbergh, listen, I can't go on record, but you do not want this Federal Reserve thing to pass. It's very dangerous. We see what they're doing. But again, doesn't matter, right? So with that point forward, when they reopened, FDR did a couple different things. The Federal Reserve was now fully in charge. And remember, Federal Reserve notes was only supposed to be a small percentage of the quote-unquote currency that was out there. Everything else that was out there was gold, silver, gold certificates, and silver certificates. And those gold certificates and silver certificates, they had physical metal backing them actual metal. So end result from that. Turn in your gold and your gold certificates or else very bad things are going to happen to you American people. Now not everybody was a schmuck back then, but most people were because just like now, they trust their government. Yes, they do. So what happened after that? Well, magically, once the gold and the gold notes or gold certificates were in the possessions of U.S. Inc. and the bankers, well, now we can do some nice, nasty things. The next move that he makes, scumbag banker that he is, FDR now pronounces that gold is now $35 an ounce from $20.63 an ounce. Well, that was a great windfall for United States Inc. That was a great windfall for the bankers. Everybody that turned in their gold, on the other hand, well, let's just say <clears throat> they got shafted. Maybe something to think about, people. So the banks reopen, and now the Fed's in charge, and the rest, as they say, is history because now nothing circulates. They stole your gold in 1933. They stole your silver in 1965, and now all you have in your wallet is Federal Reserve notes, and all you have in your wallet 
is a credit card or a debit card, all based off of their fiat currency system. And again, that's all based on your debt notes, okay? Remember, folks, you're the surety for the United States Corporation's debts. Never, ever, ever forget that. Moving forward, Securities and Exchange Commissions, all right, that's simply criminals helping criminals. In a nutshell, there's no other way to put it. So when we're talking about the naked shorting of silver and using SLV as a slush fund for silver, well, now what we've got is they're running out of physical, including SLV. So what's the next choice? Well, they've got to go on over to London, the London Metal Exchange. Again, folks, things are really tight over there, too. Now, you look at who's taking delivery of silver. It's the banks, not the manufacturers that actually need it. There's going to be a global economic reset. We've talked about it extensively, and we're talking about it again right now. The new system that they have crashed, the only way to move people into a new system is to destroy the one that they came from. And that's what they did. This is why they put you out of work. This is why people suffered. That's why they lost their businesses. This is all of it. Okay? In a nutshell, this is the game that they play. The World Economic Forum has told you, in no uncertain terms, that uh, you will own nothing, you will be spied upon, and you will be happy. Mm-hmm. They took that video down because it was getting so much negative attention. But uh, trust me, it's still out there. You can find it if you do enough searching. But here's a couple points going up back to what Marty was talking about at the beginning of the show. When we talked about turning everybody into a walking and talking cryptocurrency, and that's what's taking place now. That's a part of it. Turning everybody into a cyborg, that is a part of it. Let's talk to Klaus Schwab and his little attitude, okay? Uh, let's see. Um, Shaping the Future of the Fourth Industrial Revolution. This is a book by Klaus Schwab, okay? Uh, indeed, some of us already feel that our smartphones are becoming extension of ourselves. Today's external devices from wearable computers to virtual reality headsets will most almost certainly become implantable in our bodies and brains. Exoskeletons and prosthetics will increase our physical power while advances in neurotechnology enhance our cognitive abilities. We will become better able to manipulate our own genes and those of our children's. What is this injection? It's not a vaccine. It's genetic engineering. Wake up, people. These developments raise profound questions. Where do we draw the line between human and machine? What does it mean to be human? And just for the record, I don't like the word human. Hue of man, color of man, monster, thing, something that can be owned. But that's beside the point. whole section of this book is devoted to the theme, altering the human being. Again, some commentary. The ability of new technologies to literally become part of us. Isn't that interesting? Invokes a cyborg future involving, quote-unquote, curious mixes of digital and analog life that will redefine our very natures. Hello. Continuing, those technologies will operate within our own biology and change how we interface with the world. They are capable of crossing the boundaries of body and mind, enhancing our physical abilities, and even having a lasting impact on life itself. Continuing, 
active implantable microchips that break the skin barrier of our bodies, smart tattoos, biological computing, and custom-designed organisms. Hmm. Anything sounding like uh, Twilight Zone here? Sensors, memory switches, and circuits can be encoded in common human gut bacteria. Isn't that interesting? Smart dust, arrays of full computers with antennas, each much smaller than a grain of sand, can now organize themselves inside your body. Hello? Hello? Implanted device will likely also help to communicate through normally expressed verbally through built-in smartphones and potentially unexpressed thoughts or moods by reading brain waves and other signals. Wake up, folks. Wake up. Synthetic biology. Mm-hmm. The ability to customize organisms by writing DNA. What have we told you this injection is? Genetic engineering. What does that mean? It's rewriting your DNA. The prospect of connecting our brains to VR through critical or cortical modems, implants, or nanobots. Mm-hmm. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. The bioprinting of organic tissues. Animals can potentially be engineered to produce pharmaceuticals and other forms of treatment. Has anybody got any ethical objections here? And by the way, these nice little notes here were from winteroak.org.uk. Ladies and gentlemen, wake up. The war of 2019 is over, said, and done with. It is ancient. We are now dealing with a brand new world. And this brand new world has a totally different way of existing. Everything is changing. Everything is changing. One of those ways is through cryptocurrencies. Everybody knows about Bitcoin. Last number I saw was about 59000 and change. Uh, it was as high as 61000 I remember when it was a few dollars. Well, that's not the only cryptocurrency out there, folks. This thing called the blockchain is becoming a bigger and bigger issue. People are going to be able to get quote-unquote cryptocurrency. Oh, Marty and I have talked about that too. Bill Gates has a patent to turn every one of us into a walking and talking cryptocurrency. Now, isn't that sweet? Are we starting to see a pattern here? God, I hope so. I really do. Because your world, if you permit it, is not going to look anything ever the same. They use nice little keywords like building back better. Hmm. Oh, where do we hear that one? Of course, we heard it from the current ass in the uh, White House. And by the way, I don't participate in either the fraud of either party. But that was his theme for his campaign. But you know what's interesting? He isn't the only one saying building back better. Oh, no. Oh, no. They got all kinds of, quote, unquote, leaders across the world saying those same three words. And then again, we've heard of this wonderful thing called sustainable development. <laughs> That's called for killing off a high percentage of the population and reducing everybody else to being a slave. Time to wake up, folks. Those sustainable development goals means that only the mega-rich corporations and their people have any assets to speak of. Everybody else is a slave. And as I've already explained to all, 
You're slaves anyway. You're 14th Amendment corporate debt slaves. You volunteered for it. Your capitalist diminution maximum, maximum loss of status. All capital letters name. Only five things that can be, folks. Only five. Name of a ship, name of a corporation, name of a slave, name of a dead body, or the title to a sescue via trust. And when you walk into one of their maritime admiralty constructive contract and racketeering fraud kangaroo courts, guess what? You just assumed that all five of those positions. Just thought you'd like to know that nice little secret. Ah, yes. If you've not heard of Davos, that's when the crime syndicate gets together in a little country and uh, city and says, let's do some really nasty things to the people. And the nice word that they like using is, let's reimagine the world that we live in. Reimagine it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't want their definition of what they want to imagine. Anyway, one of Klaus Schwab's comments is, to shape the system. How nice this coronavirus is. Now we get to reshape the system. And we get to build back better. <laughs> yeah. If you all believe building back better is what's really going on, boy, do I have some prime oceanfront property here in Tennessee. Please get in touch with me after the show. Ladies and gentlemen, this is corporatocracy. This is fascism in every sense of the word. Technocracy, the term that was patented back in the 20s or 30s, where technology was going to become a bigger and bigger part of our society, is now the norm. It is now the future. See, back in the 1930s, they were just starting down this path. Oh, no, not anymore. They ain't starting down anything. They're already way past this point. They are way past this point. This is a coup, ladies and gentlemen. This is a coup. This is about global governance. This is about turning the banks, the European bankers, Bank of International Settlements, into the new God. How are they going to finance it? Oh, well, (laughs) we've talked about this on this show. Carbon, carbon taxes. I think it's a fluke that gasoline is $4 a gallon in California and approaching almost three in other parts of the country. I don't. I don't. United Nations, folks. Agenda 2030, folks. Marty's talked about it. I've talked about it. Sustainable development is about killing off a high percentage of the population and reducing everybody else to slaves. When I say to you folks they declared war on food, they have. They're saying, well, cow farts are bad. It's polluting the environment. Uh-huh. Yeah, right. Don't get me started. Why would they do that? Oh, because they want to sell you that fake meat, folks. (laughs) Oh, and that was another little detail from the World Economic Forum. Real meat? Nah, those days are going away, folks. Guess what your new choice of menu is going to be? Hmm, appetizing, folks. Bugs and feces. How does that sound? Does that sound delicious or what? I can't make this crap up, people. Look it up. 
I am sick of it. People need to wake up. Now they're using a wonderful term called stakeholder capitalism. Mm-hmm. Well, they're going to include you as being a quote-unquote beneficiary, which is exactly what they've done already, you 14th Amendment corporate debt slaves. When you get your benefits or your privileges or whatever they hand you and accept your status as a slave, well, guess what? Slaves don't own anything, but you get a little token payment, whatever form it is. Those of you that just got a nice little contribution from the United States Inc. and all excited about it. <laughs> Folks, you do realize that there's been a uh, problem with the banks the last month, not once but twice. Hmm? Do you know that? Do you know that over the weekend we had an issue where checks weren't clearing time? We had an issue several weeks ago also. This is a war on cash, folks. This is a war on cash. And all of you already know I am no fan of the Federal Reserve. Oh, no, I am no fan at all of the Federal Reserve. It is a criminal enterprise in every sense of the word. But this new system they're putting into is going to make the days of cash look like the good old days where the banks actually had integrity. (laughs) Not that they ever did. What's taking place is different. They're moving you into a new system, and that new system involves currencies, and more importantly than that, payments to keep you at home, to keep you occupied, to keep you distracted. And when you are no longer serving the system, you will be exterminated. Marty's talked about it. Hell, half of her shows, in fact, probably two-thirds of all of her shows have been on that subject matter. Uh-huh. They don't need the slave class anymore. They don't. Most everything that needs to quote unquote happen now can be done through technology. Robots. You don't need a man or a woman to do most of the menial tasks. It's not necessary anymore. That makes you a what? Oh, you love this term. You've heard me say it before. A useless eater. A useless eater. Yeah, just keep thinking United States Incorporated and these other corporations masquerading as government have your best interests in mind. You will own nothing. You will be spied upon. And you'll be happy. Just saying. Folks, they are selling slavery and death to you. That is their what they're trying to convince you you want and you need. And you know what? It's working well. It is working very nicely. I've been on top of this conspiracy for 45 plus years. And I have friends who I've begged. I love these people. Begged. Don't get it. They feel that I am wrong and they are accepting the propaganda and getting the injection. One of them's already done both of them. Another one is doing it this week. And I can't stop them. That was the other video that was deleted 
what to do. And I'm not saying stop people because people are going to make their own choices. I'm an anarchist. You all folks know that. I'm also an agorist. You don't know what that word means. It basically just means this. Voluntary associations. No violence. Undermine the system peacefully. That's the only way we're going to win this. Not going to be through war. Only by educating the masses. And the problem is the masses are too busy, occupied with what is going on on their cell phone, their computers and television sets, their video games, all the things that matter not. Meanwhile, we forgot how to interact with each other as people. You think it's bad now? At least we know what it used to be like. Think about five years from now. Young people that are, you know, one to five, going to be, you know, five to ten, ten to fifteen. They're not going to know what it's like to interact with people because of this quote-unquote six-foot rule. You do realize that the birth rate has been crashing through the floor for the last several years, right? And it's only getting worse. It's an agenda, people. It's an agenda. Yes, I'm controversial. That's because I'm trying to save your life. Marty's trying to save your life. And it's okay. You don't have to believe us. You don't have to believe a single word we say. It's all up to you. We're anarchists. We don't care. Or at least I am. I'm assuming Marty is, but I won't speak for her. These businesses are in the business of profiting in the selling of your information. What does Facebook do? Exactly that. What does YouTube do? Exactly that. All these other ones. Remember, folks, <laughs> where did Fedbook come from? Mm-hmm. DARPA. The day that Fedbook was done with their version of life, whatever they called it at the time, that very same day, this brand new enterprise magically showed up on the scene called Facebook. Yeah, but y'all just keep believing that some guy in a <clears throat> back room somewhere wrote a little bit of code and created this thing out of nowhere. Just keep on believing it. All right. The blockchain is going to be about trading assets, brand new assets that have never existed before. Folks, your real estate transactions will be on blockchain. Your economic transactions will be on blockchain. Even the internet that you know today is going to be very different five years from now, ten years from now. Not joking. There's a reason all these cryptocurrencies are coming up. And folks, if you think that's a passing fad, you better be aware of something. The biggest of the big corporations are backing some of these. That, ladies and gentlemen, means that that's the new world. Time to wake up. You guys know I'm a gold and silver guy. You know I don't trust cryptos because I treat them the same as I treat fiat currencies like paper. But ladies and gentlemen, make no mistake. Make no mistake. 
that is the new world. Wonder why the 5G is there? Relevant. They need it for all the new things that are going to be happening. You've got surveillance as being a part of it. That's why they don't need all these police forces the way they used to. You think they're just doing away because of Black Lives Matter? Come on, folks. You're smarter than this. AI, facial recognition. Mm-hmm. Time to wake up, my friends. They can retrieve your memories from your brain. The technology exists. You know, I talk about drones all the time just in the form of order-following fools, but no. The new drones, cyborgs, all of us microchipped, or at least those of us that are willing to take it, smart tattoos, biological computing, the transhumanist agenda technology, neurotechnology. You folks do know that people that are incapable of speaking can actually speak to Neural nets now attached to the brains, right? Global governance is here, folks. The goal is to put you so that you're infatuated with your computer programs. They want you living in your fake reality. But for crying out loud, we've been living in our fake reality now for how many decades? Our television sets, our computers, and our cell phones. Well, this is the latest version. Now you get to strap something to your eyeballs and put on a little bit of a suit and all of a sudden you're walking down the street and seeing hot little women walking by you or you're sitting there playing baseball or football or golf or doing all these crazy things that people do. Will you even know if you're in the real world or in the fake world? Will you even know? There's the question, ladies and gentlemen. Let me make something abundantly clear, and then I'll let Marty get a word in edgewise. Knowledge is the new status symbol. If you have it, you might survive this and profit from it. If you don't, you will be living in poverty and will be a slave. Back to you, Marty. You know, when all this first started with this virus, this fake virus that they can't isolate, and they shut down the economy, you know, we've had other things happen in this country, and I kept trying to tell people, you know, we've had terrible flu seasons that did worse than this supposed virus did. And we never shut the economy down. So to me, it was very clear that the intention was to disassemble our economy, to put all the small players out of business, so everything was corporate. Walmart could stay open, Target, Home Depot, all the big box stores could stay open. Your liquor store could stay open. But your church had to close. All your mom and pop independently, privately owned little restaurants and bars had to close. And why was that? And I, you know, I know what it was at the time, John, it's because these were people not only congregated, but they talked to each other. And I remember some years ago, after 911 uh in the town I lived in in Minnesota we had a terrible tornado and 
at 11.30 that night, the power came back on, and I remembered what I'd read from Homeland Security about how it was imperative after any national disaster, and they named tornadoes in their hurricanes, whatever, is to get the electricity back up as quickly as possible. That was to be a priority, because otherwise, if people couldn't watch TV and talk on the phone, and cell phones weren't near so popular then, they might come outside of their houses and talk to each other. And this was to be avoided. And so I saw after that tornado, like I say, it it, it did an unbelievable amount of destruction. It, it was just, it looked, the whole town looked like a war zone. Whole houses were gone, gigantic trees uprooted. Of course, the power went out, 65 mile an hour winds. And at 11.30 at night, the power came back on. And I remembered what I had read. And the one thing they absolutely do not want us to do is to talk to each other, to compare thoughts and notes, uh, to compare ideas about what might be happening, and maybe coalesce and say, wait a minute, this isn't anything like they're trying to make us believe it is. We need to do something. They don't want that to happen. And so you've seen all this stuff come up um, Like you say, I left a meeting in Bemidji, Minnesota here about two years ago, drove all that way to get up there to that meeting. There's 14 of us in there, and I met with these people, and they asked me to start speaking. I did, and I look around the table. Virtually every person at that table, John, had their head down and their thumbs going. And I said, did you suppose... Just for this next few minutes, you could put your phones down. Well, you know, I'm just talking to so-and-so, and I'll be done here in a minute. And I finally got mad, picked up my stuff, put it back in my briefcase. And this woman said, what are you doing? I said, I'm leaving. Apparently, whatever is going on on those phones is so earth-shattering that after I traveled all the way up here to work with you people, you can't put them down. Well, I'll just I'll just lay it up here on the table. No, you just do whatever you want with it. I'm out of here. I have never seen people sitting next to each other, texting each other. They don't talk. And this is all by design. Uh, One of the things they tried to get back up running as quickly as they could, although it was faltering because it was so not, is sports. Sports is the gladiator of the day. And it keeps men, in particular, in the warrior mode. Um, it's, there's a reason sports is televised and all this hype around it. But when you look back at what all our government has done to us, not foreign invaders, not foreign terrorists, not somebody who wishes us evil that came from the outside, that our own government has done to us, why would anybody trust these people? And this thing over the like the election... I don't care. I don't care because we get one crook or another crook in there, and they don't work for us. They're working for people we don't even know about in most cases. Like I say, going back to shutting down our economy across the country, actually globally, why would you do that? Unless you had an ulterior motive. And if you were going to shut it down, why didn't everybody get shut down? Now, I could see maybe leaving grocery stores open, but if you were a little mom and pop grocery store, no, you had to close. 
And I'm looking at all of this and these people clamoring to get these vaccines that are not vaccines. Even with the growing number of deaths, people have, I made my appointment, I'm getting my vaccine. Well, should we say our goodbyes now or you want to wait? I have, John, I never thought I would see the day. When I look back, you know, 50 years ago to when I was a kid, and you thought America was the greatest place on the face of the earth, and we were the best country in the world, and everybody wanted to be us, and now we are the most despised country in the world. We are despised. We are a huge terrorist organization problem with that i don't like being seen that way i don't want to be that way but what i'm hearing going in with what you're saying is i've been running across articles here and there on the net about heirs and why they should not be allowed to inherit property that it was ridiculous to think because mom and dad paid their property off their children should get the windfall of inheriting that property they didn't say exactly what was to happen and if they didn't. And but I'm seeing that they're planting the idea in the public's mind that inheriting property is somehow there's something wrong with that. Somebody's getting something unfairly that they shouldn't get. And then I keep hearing here and there these representatives and some senators uh, whisking over the idea that the imaginary boundaries between the states, if it was not for the imaginary boundaries between the states, they aren't imaginary. They're very clearly defined. And then I see all these uniform laws coming and uniform commercial laws coming out where the law will be the same in every state. Well, that destroys state sovereignty and the right of the people of that state to decide what they want. And but I've seen all these things, all these little pieces coming into this puzzle. And they may seem minuscule and not important at the moment, but you're going to find they're very important in the future. And the, like I say, we, we've seen the disinheriting of elderly people through this guardianship crap. Figure it's somewhere around $6 billion a year is stolen from the elderly under the guise of guardianship. You see, Bill Gates, after the USDA has discriminated against black farmers historically, and they just won a one battle there, losing 1.2 million acres of farmland, even when they had been able to get a loan, which was rare, and they had papers showing that loan had been paid off 20, 30, 40 years ago. The USDA came in and said they didn't care what they had. They were taking their land. And now we've got Bill Gates owning 243,000 acres of prime agricultural land in this country. Personally, I think that man needs to be in prison. I think he's dangerous. I think he is the modern-day version of a monster. Him, his wife, and his children, too. We don't need successive generations of genocidal maniacs. There is so much happening, and it's happening so quickly. And this stuff about turning people into walking computers, which is basically what they're saying. The birth rate is dropping precipitously. And now they're talking about, because of this vaccine, the sperm count in men is dropping to the point where it's no longer viable. Think it's sterilizing women, too. They already know what this stuff is going to do. This is all intentional. 
So we've got a birth rate that's down 40% below where it needs to be for a replacement population. And people said to me, well, the population has increased by 20 million. I No, actually 30 million. But those aren't American-born babies. Those are people from south of the border, 20 million of them. Those are people that came were brought in on H-1B visas to take jobs away from Americans because they come in and work cheap with no benefits, and they seldom leave, and nobody goes and looks for them. And we've got people migrating in from the north, don't think we don't. And we keep they keep expecting us to absorb these people, to absorb them. But see, now this has come all the way around. Now there's too many of us. We've damn near depopulated Mexico. I don't know what's going to happen in the future, but we can't keep doing this. And this is nothing against people from south of the border. It is not. But what is it you think is here? We are all miserable. We are all just hanging by a thread. And I'm waiting for the next shoe to drop. What is it you think is here? And why, when you get here, do you bring the squalor and the crime and all of that with you? Why do you recreate what you came from? I have a problem with that. But there is so much happening on so many levels. And then we keep bailing out these banks instead of letting them go down and starting over again. John, why is it you think, what do you think the actual reason is they won't let those banks collapse? Because it's the banks in charge. Um, Marty, I need to take the next 10 minutes, please, if you don't mind, so we can, okay. I got a few more right. notes I have yes. to get out. Yep, go ahead. Okay. Folks, go to YouTube, look up X-Files, Takeover of America. Takeover of America. It's it's a little splurge, uh, about five minutes of uh, the X-Files. Watch the video, Takeover of America. It is so relevant. Basel three. what that is, ladies and gentlemen, is that is an agreement between all the bankers of the world to change the models in the system. Now, one of the things that they did is they made gold a tier one asset. Gold is a tier one, pardon me, asset. Economic reset, folks, because the last time they did this was when they made the dollar to world reserve currency in World War II. They set gold at $35 an ounce. And what happened in 1973, because the French just kept coming and coming and saying, give me gold, give me gold, get your $35 back. I want my one ounce of gold. And when that ran out, well, Nixon closed the gold window, folks. Said, nope, can't do that anymore. And after that, we had the floating currencies and uh, hyperinflation in the 70s. And then it finally got settled down because we made a deal with the Saudis. And we had this, uh, what they call a... Um, you know, um, come on, John, think, 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 petrodollar thing going on. Now, something you folks need to be aware of, and please be paying attention. If you're going to listen to anything I say, pay attention to this now. With this hoax issue, they dropped the requirements for the reserves of banks from 3% down to 2%. To, quote, unquote, help the banks take care of put money out into the economy. Okay, that was one of the things they said they were going to do. But that is coming to a close, and it has not been renewed. That means the banks are going to have to, once again, have 3% minimum. 
cover their rear end, if you will. John, Remember, John, we're getting a lot of John. We're getting a lot of static. Gee, shocker. Okay. Anyway, when they go to two, when they go to two or three percent, I'm sorry if it was a miss, but anyway, when they go back to two to three percent from the two percent, what you're going to end up happening is this: the banks are now going to have to fill up their coffers again. And remember, folks, when you make a deposit into a bank. You just became an unsecured creditor to the bank. Remember, that's a Federal Reserve note. That's private banking script. Okay? And in so doing, if something happens to that bank, you're out of luck. And one of the points that one of the people that I follow made, and I think it's incredibly important, is there might be a change over time They will do two things. The value of the currency might go up because so few people are holding it. Remember, we've already seen that once in the last year. We've already seen that once. Remember that missing coins? They told you, oh, we have a problem. We can't get any coins. There wasn't a problem getting coins because everybody that had coins in a coin jar at home was busy putting them in a coin star machine because they had to have cash to pay the bills and buy groceries because they were now unemployed. Mm-hmm. But what was happening, the Federal Reserve was busy taking all that stuff in and sitting on it. Same as with the cash. You do realize that the Federal Reserve has been buying up real assets, their fiat and their bonds, don't you folks? You do realize that's what's going on, right? They're buying up real and tangible things with their fake money and leaving us to dry. The only difference is this isn't a pillaging of the country. This is a pillaging of the planet. Get that through your head. The banks have been giving money to their investors, their stockholders, their bondholders. You'll notice they haven't been putting it out on the street. You think that's a coincidence? And by the way, folks, again, I'd like to remind you all, banks don't lend money. Contrary to everybody's opinion, they don't. They monetize your signature. They monetize your signature. That promissory note that you filled out that you thought was a loan thing, what did they do? They sell it into Wall Street. Your loan was paid in full when you signed it. Of course, they don't tell you that. Because they give you another piece of paper, too, that says you make them the beneficiary if you don't repay, quote-unquote, borrowed. Repayment. Look up that word. Look up the prefix re, and then look up the word pay. Re means again. Pay again. It's in the word, people. I've told you before, words have meaning. Time to wake up. Back to you, Marty. That's the whole thing, too. I I repeat that phrase often to people, John, and tell them, as John tells you, words have meaning. Don't assume that what you think is the common meaning of something is actually what it is. Look that word up, because a lot of times you'll find out there's two or three definitions for a descriptive word. And you have to figure out which one is in use. Um, this, 
I don't know how we got, I mean, I do know how we got here. I just don't know why it had to come to this. Uh, I, I don't know how much greed has to be out there to facilitate something like this. What I do know is this is a global culling of populations. They are reducing the population of the globe, and we are going to forfeit our fair share of people. Um, they're they're going to take it down. I I just, you know, and I'm tired, John, of people screaming, oh, you're a conspiracy theorist. How bad does it have to get before you realize you've been had? And I just like had to to be in this country growing up when I did, um, and to see it now, it's a disgrace. It's an absolute disgrace. The District of Criminals is populated with exactly that criminals. We, I think, as a population, if we knew the depth of corruption in D.C., we'd probably all lay siege to the city. Um, I, I think what goes on behind closed doors that we never find out about is actually the stuff of nightmares. I truly believe that. I, you know, I, I get so disheartened a lot of times. You, you out actual criminal activity by people in high-placed positions and nothing happens. You know, I've talked repeatedly about the pharmaceutical companies being the only ones who can advertise a product they openly admit could kill you. Get some anyway. And nobody's ever held accountable. Nobody ever goes to prison. And they claim they play these multi-million dollars or billion dollar settlements. But who is it they're paying it to? The, the trail goes dead. Who got paid that money and where's any evidence it ever actually was paid? But it makes good media. People go, oh boy, they got nailed. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. And if you got a you know forty-two billion dollars settlement out of a pharmaceutical company, what agency in the federal government is running in the the black now? Somebody has to be. And there again, who is this money paid to? They never say. They never say. People never ask. I want to know. <laughs> I want to know. But it's just. We are at a crossroads. I don't know that as a country we're going to survive this. I think there's too many people that are too weak-minded. I think, you know, I've talked about writing and documenting and resourcing, and nothing makes people angrier. Because once you do that, they can't scream, oh, you're a conspiracy theorist. Oh, it's fake news. No, here it is right here in the government documents. You go take a look at this. And most of them will not. But even the ones that do, go quiet. Because you've made them mad now. You've made them mad. It's one thing to say you didn't know and nobody told you. And I never heard of such a thing. It's another thing when you're faced with the evidence. That requires you. You're obligated to do something about it. And that's the last thing they want to do. So they'll sit there and deny, 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 deny. And then it, you know, when it's all said and done and all over with, they're crying the blues. Why didn't anybody tell me? Well, we tried to tell you. We kept trying to tell you. John, we've only got about two minutes left here. Um, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. We had a good audience. And, of course, a reminder, these shows are brought to you in coordination with Marcel Reed and the Whistleblower Summit, an annual event in Washington, D.C., which will be via video again this year, thanks to the fake up, faked up virus. Um, 
for God's sake, people, my recommendation, stay as far away from those vaccines that aren't vaccines as you can. You're taking your life in your hands. Many people have. They haven't come out the other side. I don't know how many of us died before we realize that this probably isn't a good thing to do, but it's all in the plans. Anyway, John, thank you for being on with me again tonight. I appreciate it. And um, we'll be back again next week. I don't know what topic. What I'd like to talk about next week is these so-called COVID passes and your certificate of vaccination. You ought to have a big L stamped on your head that says loser. That's my opinion. Anyway, we will see you all next week. Tomorrow night on TS Radio, the Australians will be with us. So please tune in for that. We'll talk to you all later. Good night, everyone. Good night, John. Good night, world. Good night, Marty.